evening, everybody. Welcome to Half-Ashed, episode number 24. My name is Craig Schneider. That man over there is my good friend, Kip Fisher, the traveling fool. How are you, my man? Good. Uh, look again. I, I gotta figure out this freaking camera. I look like I'm sitting down the barrel or something here. But, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm six feet tall, but everybody that watches this thing obviously thinks I'm about four or five or four or six. But, obviously, I'm sure that was what their their first thought was. Each and every one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's probably the most interesting thing about this show is trying to figure <laughs> out how tall I am. Well, I uh, I will preface this evening's show by saying, ladies and gentlemen, I have have spent dozens of evenings at this point. We can, we can say that by now. Two dozens, dozens of evenings uh, sitting down for hours, smoking cigars, and chatting with your good friend and mine, Mr. Kip Fisher. And he has never been in as chatty of a mood as he is this evening. And he is cracking me up. So you all are in for one hell of an episode. I'm. This is going to be a blast. I'm going to sit back, relax, and just let him go. I am punch drunk with traveling. Uh, and oh, so thankful to be on my own patio where I can light a freaking cigar because apparently there's not a hotel left in this country that will let you smoke within a half mile of it. Every one of them. No smoking anywhere. And not even at the daggone pool, man. They won't let you smoke outdoors at a pool at these places. You know, I, I have to say, I have uh, a list about a mile and a half long of uh, reasons that I want to go to Havana. And one of the things on my bucket list is one of the reasons for going to Havana. And it is smoking a cigar in the pool at Hotel Nacional. Mm-hmm. One day in my life, I will... I will walk around in the shallow end with a cigar in my mouth and the sun beating down on me and have a, just a uh, just a bucket list moment. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm afraid most of those years, at least in the places I'm traveling lately, are going. Uh, it's, it, it's been a bother. I mean, the, the, the one place had no smoking anywhere on the property, and the others... Um, Vegas probably could have smoked, but I was smoking all day anyway, so I didn't need a place. I just came back and crashed at the hotel. But we, uh, like I said, we came back, got the kids in Tennessee, and went up to D.C. for a couple of days and visited my wife's brother and family and worked our way down through Virginia and South Carolina. And, and they were nowhere. They'd have a, you know, like a bench sitting out in the sun or the rain, depending on what time of day it was, and you could smoke out there. That was about it. Well, it just seems like people are trying to be blacklisted if you're smoking now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, well. So, like I mentioned to you, what that translates into is the fact that I went to IPCPR, got all these new cigars to try, and have not had a cigar in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm excited about with that? What's that? And this is a horrible, this is a this is a buddy thing to say, so... You know, for anybody out there who's listening to us for the first time, don't don't take offense to this and get your panties all in a bunch. I can't wait for you, who has gone a week without nicotine, to now be having your second cigar in like an hour and a half, and just be <laughs> not just be punch drunk from traveling, but be punch drunk from nicotine in about 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm so yeah. gonna look forward to that. If I, if I puke here, I'll mute the mic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kip Fisher. <laughs> Let me uh, mute my phone, too, actually. It's kind of bloop-blooping at me. 
Well, we uh, we are episode 24, as we alluded to with the dozens of uh, episodes comment earlier, and that being uh, a, a derivative of a derivative of four is that no, not a derivative of four, a multiple of four means that it is a uh, an unbanded episode. Tonight we have unbanded number six from Mr. Jeff Fisher, who's been kind enough to donate a Jeff, second cigar for us. Jeff Curtis. Whoops, Jeff Fisher. You're Jeff. You're. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> Jeff Fisher, the football coach or something. Eh? Yeah, he's uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, or no, not Titans anymore. Eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they Titan. suck whoever he coaches for. Not Denver. the not the Oilers anymore. No, no not the Oilers no. anymore. <laughs> You know, I, 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 okay, so I had, uh, we'll get back to Jeff Curtis in a second. We got all night. It is our show, as you, you so eloquently put earlier. Uh, I, I have a, uh, final walkthrough on a house that I was building today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so final walkthroughs take forever. You go through every room, analyze every wall, every floor, everything that's in there, blah, blah, blah. Um, so anyway, so I was just absolutely scrambling because the walkthrough is at 1 o'clock. I was scrambling, and at about 12.45, I go into the mechanical room and realize that our painter's just got a ton of his crap just sitting around in there, and I want to get the house clean so it you know, it, it looks nice when the homeowner walks through. So I go, and I'm moving, uh, you know, paintbrushes and rollers and all that stuff, and I grab the, the sprayer. He's got a little compressor. Uh, and sprayer to uh, to spray polyurethane, and I go to move it without realizing that the rag that is on the end of the sprayer is over an open half full can of polyurethane. <laughs> and so, ten minutes before this meeting, I spill a half gallon of poly all over my pants or my shorts. I was wearing shorts. My legs, so my leg hairs are all polyurethane right now. <laughs> they feel like individual little sticks on my leg, and all over my shoes. Oh, it was such a cluster. So I'm sitting with my leg crossed, and I put my hand down on my leg that's that's up on my other knee, and it is just completely ugh, sticky and crusty. And oh man, it just got me thinking. What a what a crazy day, and what an absolutely fantastic way to uh, spend the evening to relax from that. So so here's to you. I'll raise a cigar. Thank you, my man, for uh, having us record tonight. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Might be a piece of crap show, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> That's all right. Ah, well. <laughs> be the, the latest in a long string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why change now? Yeah. No, I'm so very, far. I'm very happy to report that uh, I have a buddy of mine who lives in New York who is a cigar smoker, and so finally, just this past week, I uh, I had gotten him to download some episodes, and so he reported back that uh, we're doing a very fine job, and he'll be listening to us here. So, hey, some yeah. people enjoy it. Who knew? I uh, I left up the video on YouTube, even though we went for 15 minutes with no video, and then came back with half a video. And got a couple emails this week of folks uh, giving me a little grief about eating my lunch while we were recording. Because <laughs> I didn't expect people to watch the video. I thought it would just be an audio publication. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, 
I didn't even realize that you left the video up. Now I'm going to have to go watch, download that version of it. Well, I had it both off, and I think I turned it on to like give a view of the Emilio uh, House of Emilio set up there, and then just left it on. And so, folks, for the last half hour or so, got to watch me eat a wrap. <laughs> the convention hall food actually was better this year than Orlando. The Orlando food last year was terrible. Didn't like. Uh, didn't match up with a Delmonico's or anything, but it, it was for convention hall food. wasn't bad. Did uh, not to change the subject drastically here, but uh, you lit up the Unbanded, correct? Is that what you're smoking now? Mm-hmm. I did. Do you have any strong opinions about this right away? Not super strong. The the first couple of minutes were very pepinish, but that that has simmered down quite a bit actually. Do you have any opinions on flavor profile besides being papine? Hmm, nothing I really ready to put a finger on just yet. But you know, I'm I'm all of a quarter inch into this thing. Well, I'm just gonna say, I'll leave you with this. Does the wrapper look like it could be Mexican for you? Hmm, <laughs> possibly. I mean, it, it's it's not. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's fairly dark. It's a Maduro looking wrapper, although it, it is darker near the back end of the leaf than the front. It's notice there's a noticeable color change halfway up. You see that in the picture there? I do see that. Yes. Um, seems to be fairly thin. You know, it's telegraphing everything underneath, every little bump, nook, and cranny, even with a press on it, because it is. Somewhat pressed. It's not a hard press, but it, it does have corners on it. Well, I was thinking that this could be, by appearance, I was th- thinking it could be broadleaf or, sorry, something just fell above my head. I was thinking it could be broadleaf or uh, Mexican, a Mexican Maduro leaf. It, it, um, it seems a little thin to me, actually, for a broadleaf. Broad leaf, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too, but. The the veins are a little thicker. Um, well, you're trying to refocus your video. <laughs> this is a piece of garbage camera. Okay, there you go. Uh, the leaves seem or the leaves the veins seem a little heavy for Mexican Maduro leaf, in my experience. But that was kind of lead me between the two of those. So flavor profile, I'm getting a little bit of that Mexican spiciness too. Yeah, so. and you know. I guess maybe it's a little hard to tell. I, I say it's it's thin, but that could be just a, a factor of the fact that it is pressed on there. It, it could be a broadleaf wrapper. I don't know. It's been a little while since I've uh, had some broadleaf, so I can't consider myself to be recently schooled on it. But nonetheless, it's interesting, and uh, I'd like to see where this cigar goes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Somebody who was at D.C. asking in the chat room, what size is the unbanded? Um, it is Robusto-ish. Maybe just, I don't know. I, I don't have my gauge out here. But it's it's about that size. Maybe just a smidge longer than I would normally call. Maybe just five and a quarter rather than five. Yeah, and uh, I think that it is a 50, uh-oh, now I'm stuck. A 50 ring gauge, possibly 52. So I would say maybe five and a half, five and a quarter, uh, by 52 with a box press. Yep, I'll buy that. 
Of and it came in cellophane as well. Yes, it did. And mine had this interesting little band on it that said Jeff Curtis unbanded 006, so that's kind yep. of a clue there. Mine did as well. Um, I will say that mine had uh, a very, very distinct um, second band uh, pectin line, like from where where the band itself was glued on or glued together. That glue had kind of rubbed off um, on a very distinct portion of the the wrapper. I don't know if you can see that on my feed, hey. but see, I'm trying to see if I can cheat a little bit because I can see impressions there. It looks like this may be impressed with the band on it. I see tiny little imprints. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does it look as if it's a second band? Like just one of those thin, almost like if you would imagine the Padron 40th anniversary or uh, 45th anniversary, how it's got that second band on there that's about a quarter inch tall. Well, I can't tell. You know I'm over 40 now, so it's kind of hard for me to make out these little details. You can't see crap. That's true. forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see everything like this camera of mine is focused right now. Just a little focus. <laughs> uh, I paid extra for that camera, too. So if you see fuzzy and the camera is fuzzy, does that mean that you see clear? Depends on if it's fuzzed the other way. Well, what the heck are we talking about? <laughs> We're supposed to be doing a serious cigar show here. We're partnering around about fuzzy cameras. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, well, how about we get to the notes here? You uh, you have this loving yada, 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 blah, 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 apology for not having a show up because you were traveling. Oh, I feel so bad for you going to Vegas, D.C., Tennessee, South Carolina, Virginia. Oh, and then Florida, boo-hoo. So, no, on to the rest of the show. Yeah, for those of you that <laughs> don't know, this 12-day, 9,000-mile trip ended about an hour before we started this show. <clears throat> so I am properly rested. Ah, yes. I uh, I uh, look forward to an opportunity that I have to make fun of you about something with this. It just needs to come up. <laughs> Anyways. DC has made a guess. He said he's going to guess blindly that it's an El Triumphador number two. Interesting. Doesn't taste like an El Triumphador to me, but okay, we'll see in a I couple hours. I can't tell you the last time that I had an El Triumphador unless it was one of those Lanceros. I have had um, a number of them in recent months. I, I Actually, I like those a lot. I, hmm. I think it's one of Pete's better cigars that nobody ever talks about. Yeah, nobody talks about that or, uh, oh, what the heck was that other one? Um, a red band. On La Riqueza. La Riqueza. I really like the La Riqueza, too. I think those I haven't are had one of those in a long time. Trademark preservation offerings, probably. Uh, that could very well be. Anyway, how about we actually jump into some content here? Yeah, let's do it. What do we want to do? we got two sets of notes to go off of. We have a plain Jane kind of set of notes, and we have the other one I just uh, whipped together right before we started. Got a preference? You know, let's just go off the ones you whipped together right before we started. We seem to have the best uh, back and forth jabbing at each other when we don't really have a script. Okay. Screw so, the old notes. Yeah, screw the old notes. What the hell is Viva Republica? I don't know a whole lot about them. I, I, I've seen the name around. I talked to the guys. And just by the way, that there will be a ton of content 
popping up on the cigar me in the next week to ten days uh, once I get caught up because I <clears throat> tuned out of the cigar world when I left the show and have miserably failed the cigar world and, and haven't done much of anything since the show, including having cigars. Um, but anyway, talk to these guys a little, and they, uh, they're they partnered up with La Aurora. Um, do do their own blending to the extent that they apparently, they, they tell me they make uh, you know eight to ten trips to the Dominican every year to to work out what they're doing with La Aurora, and La Aurora does all the production, of course. Um, have not yet smoked their cigars, but I do have a, a set to try, and actually they pass along some I'll send to you as well. Excellent. Um, so anyway, it sounds cool. I know, I know the name. I've seen their ads. They do some you know marketing here and there around the, the uh, various interwebs, uh, and so uh, we'll see. Looking forward to it, actually, but uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about them. I know they've been around. I know they have a name. They have you know an established name to the extent that I've heard of them. I've seen it, but I don't believe I have a local shop that carries the lines, so I haven't had the chance to buy them in person. Well, I uh, I can't say that I've ever even seen them at a store that I can think of. Um, I like the La Aurora product. So if they're uh, if they have access to you know to uh, that stock and are blending from that, um, I think you can come up with a lot of great things there. So I'll be interested. Yeah, and it was a, a group of really young guys involved. They were not uh, ancient guys with just a load of cash and want to make a cigar. They they from all appearances are very involved in that blending. <laughs> they're not just calling up La Aurora and saying, "Hey, make us a cigar." You know, they're they're day-to-day involved with creating a cigar to be what they want it to be, which which I think is pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. That's that's darn cool. Are they? Uh, do they have any information about distribution out there? I mean, are there a lot of locations that have them? I uh, don't have it handy. They did give me some paperwork, um, which went quickly into a bag and is in a pile on my counter right now where I just unpacked a few minutes ago. Um, I, d- I don't have numbers. I do have some blend details I can pass along and include in the, the write-up. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'll have to be on the lookout for that. That's uh, it's kind of a cool find on your part. I've noticed actually a lot of your notes have, have some cool finds. Um, and I, I think you mentioned that you had done that on purpose. Yeah, I, I uh, accidentally did that on purpose. And, <laughs> and that's that's the best way I can say it. I you know, started out with a plan and a list of folks I wanted to, to visit, and that all just got thrown in the, the dumpster and changed up right in the midst of the first day. And and what I was seeing was that a great number of established companies and, and booths had, um, you know, certainly not all. There were some plenty of new cigars out there, but the, the bulk seemed to be line extensions and just new Vitolas in existing lines or maybe a tweak on a blend or, or whatnot and not maybe not as many entirely new offerings in terms of new lines coming out. So I kind of mixed it up and changed my approach and just started going to a lot of the uh, smaller manufacturers. The, you know, what There's so much debate about what the word boutique even means in the cigar world, but what many people might call boutique makers uh, especially the new folks that I'd never seen before, never heard of. I wanted to kind of get some stories there, and um, and that's what it turned out to be. And and I mentioned before we started taping that 
we had taken almost 900 pictures of this thing, of this thing, of this show, and I still got to sort through all those, but uh, probably, you know, made visits to 50 some odd booths, the majority of which are not companies that many folks have even heard of, which I know you're not the guy that has to run out and try every new cigar, but I like to do that a little bit, and, and it was really cool to meet some new faces and uh, get some names with to go with them. Well, one of the things that I've noticed, I've been to half a dozen or so RTDAs, IPCPRs. Um, I love those little finds. You know, at the show, that was one of the things that I would always really relish in, just kind of finding those guys who are just in love with tobacco, know it inside and out, can come up with an amazing product, and are just kind of emerging into the market. You know, they're, they've either grown up with tobacco as, as growers or they've worked for someone else and are branching out on their own or they're just a passionate, <clears throat> you know, a passionado, to steal a term from Colin Canley of Cigar Journal, and they're just getting into it on their own, whatever it is. And those people just have this this passion that you, you just sense when you're at their booth. Um, and I, I it's one of my favorite and least favorite things of the show all in one. Because you find these guys, and then the next year you go back and you want to try their new product, or you want to find out, hey, you know, are you anywhere around? Where can I find you? I really loved your stuff when I went home and sampled it, and they're not to be found. That's that's what's really really frustrating about it. Um, and uh, I, I I want to hear about these guys, and then I want to hear what your thought is on, you know, are they going to kind of fall by the wayside and be some of those people who have a great product but just can't get off the ground with it. Yeah, and there's a number of those, and actually kind of what you described is one of those, if I can jump out of order here a little bit. Sure. Way down the list, there was one called Table 36, and I actually tried their cigars a year ago in Chattanooga at the Tweet Up and thought it was great. I came home, and I, I bought a couple more while I was there. There was one in my little pack of cigars that we got. And then I bought a couple more and, and loved the cigars. And I dug them up online, and they had no retailers in Florida except Pensacola. And those of you that know Florida geography know that I'm you know, a good 500 miles from Pensacola, so it wasn't really an option for me to run to a store and buy them and didn't see them online anywhere. So it just kind of tucked them away in the, the you know, dusty, cobwebbed corners of my mind somewhere. And they were back at the show, so I caught up with them. And uh, they had a you know a couple of new cigars coming out, and uh, I have not tried the new ones yet, but I talked to them. They got a cool story. It was a group of guys that you know once a month got together and have a, a good meal and and some cigars. And their table at their restaurant was Table Thirty Six, and that's where the name huh. of the, the company comes from. And, uh, that that was a cool find. I, I hope to see them in some more stores somewhere closer to me in the near future. That's you know that's. A really cool find, and it totally hits home for me. I I used to go out weekly. Um, I may have shared this story before, but uh, it, it's such a good, or cool story. I I don't think people will mind. Um, I used to go out every Tuesday night with a group of like twelve revolving guys, and we would always go to this one location. Um, uh, a buddy of mine uh, was a caretaker for this seventy seventy acre, sixty acre. Um, farmstead just west of, um, you know, kind of the edge of the suburbs, I'll put it that way. Um, 
and it was an old farm, had a gorgeous 100-year-old farmhouse surrounded by these massive 100, 150-year-old black walnut trees. Um, and we just had this house to ourselves, and no one would be in the house really except for on Tuesday nights, and we would go smoke. Um, one of the buddies was, one of my buddies was an old chef, and so he he uh, would just make dinner for us every Tuesday night. Another buddy um, is in the cigar industry, and he actually has uh, his own line of cigars, and it's been popular and out for a while, and so he's got access to a lot of tobaccos and a lot of things. Well, we kind of all came up with our old, our, our own like variations of you know blends that worked well with the tobaccos that he had access to. I mean, and so it was just basically like our own little free-for-all where we would get together, have a great meal, um, and then I'll just smoke these cigars that we all were individually involved in. You know, it's kind of where the Chagringo um, uh, stemmed from, you know. And so it was just, it was just a really, really cool um, experience for me growing up in my cigar life. And uh, so to hear that there are these other guys who have kind of taken a similar thing of their own and made it a, a product that... That that gives me a personal connection to it. I would really be interested here. And and the other thing that I'll say is how in the world is Florida 500 miles long? Uh, well, uh, from where I'm at in Tampa to the far corners of the Panhandle are easily 500 miles. Are you serious? 500 miles? Yeah, I had a had an uncle coming down to Florida last year. He was out there in the Panhandle, and he called me up, and he's like, hey, we were going to stop by and, and, and catch up just for a little while. I said, okay, that sounds cool. Where are you? And he was like, Panama City, and I said, well, you know, that's like eight and a half, nine-hour drive from there to here, right? <laughs> oh. oh. Well, I'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, jeez. Well, that's very cool. Table 36, I will... Uh... Uh, I'll put that on my list of things that I really want to uh, uh, seek out someday. I think they are based somewhere west of you, Midwest area, like Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, somewhere out that way. Really? Hmm. Not, don't quote me on that, but I think that's where they were out of. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So jumping Whoa. back up. Yes, sir. That was what I was going to ask if you wanted to head back up the list. Yeah. The second one on here is very intriguing to me, based on your description. Yeah, it's Casa Fernandez. They're very near and dear to my heart. I, I am a huge, huge fan. You know, they don't make any mild cigars, and most of theirs are even on the strong end of medium, at least, into very full-strength kind of cigars. You you know, utilize Aganorsa Leaf, same company. Um, but I'm a huge fan. In fact, the Arsenio... And either the Corojo or the Maduro wrapper are two of my very favorite cigars. I go through a ton of them, and I absolutely do not believe you can buy a better cigar for $5 on planet Earth. Wow. It is a $5 cigar, and if you really like Nicaraguan tobacco that that is full-flavored, full-strength, I don't think you can do better. Uh, it, 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 It gets my highest recommendation, if that's your thing. But they, uh, putting out a couple of uh, cigars this year. One's an anniversary. I think it's 35 or 36 years. Having trouble remembering which now. And I didn't get the opportunity to try that, but I did get their Reserva Maduro. And, of course, I have not gone through all the cigars I brought back uh, to try from the show yet, but that one is easily my favorite so far of the, the new 
uh, upcoming releases. It, it it just just lit me up. It, it was such a good cigar. And and you know Casa Fernandez is who is um, working with the Ezra Zion guys. They make their um, the Inception now the Jamais View, and I think I believe that. I don't know if Kyle's in the chat room, but I believe they're making the tantrum as well. Um, but I had the chance, and I wanted to—I wanted so badly to video it, but he didn't want to be taped. He didn't want to be recorded. I sat down and talked to Paul Palmer for a while, and it was just like sitting at the feet of the tobacco master. And <laughs> sat there for you know twenty, thirty minutes, probably at a table with the guy. And oh, I mean, I can't—I I just wanted to sit there the rest of the day and say, "Screw this show, man! I just want to learn something." And he he was such a nice, personable guy. Talked about his tobacco. Talked about Aganorsa and how you know they Casa Fernandez has managed to really be in a good position. They 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 are truly vertically integrated. They grow this tobacco. They not just any tobacco. They grow some of the best tobacco on the planet. And so they have control of that cigar from the moment the seeds planted until it's rolled and sold out to shops to put on a shelf. And having that kind of control, I think, is key. And they're, you know, historically they were a tobacco grower. And in the last however many years, they've been, um, yeah, Kyle just chimed in. He says they're making the tantrum, the Jamais View, and the Eminence. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, but they, uh, they're really, really, I put in the notes, they're hitting their stride as a, not not just a grower, but as a manufacturer now. And they are making such good cigars that, and I almost sitting here wish I hadn't said that's the best five dollar cigar on the market. I don't want them to hear that. <laughs> it might raise the price. <laughs> but man, I love their stuff. I absolutely do. And I don't think there's been a time in the last two or three years that there was not a good supply of their cigars in my humidor. Just every minute of every day, I can always have something from them available. Um, but that that Reserva Maduro was something special. It's a great smoke cigar. Hmm. Kyle says they have secret sauce. I, yep. I, I don't. I don't care what they're doing with the tobacco as long as they keep doing it. it, it I mean, I, I know I'm gushing about Casa Fernandez, but that that's just how I feel. That's where I'm willing to to back that up. I buy their cigars personally when I go to the shops. That as good as it gets for me. Hmm. And they, um, they, you know, Matt, I talked to Max. Max Fernandez, uh, who's a really young guy and just another great personality, and, and he's kind of getting into the the business with the family and all, and, and is is um, you know he, he's he's there, he's available, he's made himself available. He's like, whatever questions you got, just give me a call. And I don't know, I think I think they're poised to be a a really big power in the cigar world. In the coming years, uh, you know, and this is me talking. This is not anything but speculation on my part. But I think they're in a position that they could just become huge. And, oh, sure. You know, not that they're not a, a sizable company already, especially as a grower. But and I think they really could take the world by storm in the way you know a Pepin did ten or twelve years ago. That they, they have that kind of talent. They have that kind of quality materials and really getting things together uh, to, to become a, a serious manufacturer on top of being a grower and, and seller of leaf tobacco. Well, it's interesting to hear your opinions about that. And um, 
frankly, it's it's something that's intriguing to me. Kind of, what's the writing on the wall? You know, who's who's the next uh, Tatuaje of 2008 and Drew Estate of 2013? You know, I mean, um, the industry itself has has seen a lot of people rise and fall with uh, their own popularity. And uh, I think what we get from that is an expanded, you know, kind of a collective appreciation of different flavor profiles. And I know that a lot of that stuff coming from Casa Fernandez um, lines up really well with a lot of people. Um, I mean, you just talked about it. So it would be pretty cool to see them gain a little bit more of a foothold in the industry and see what else uh, and where they can take us, really. Guys, Kyle's giving me a hard time in the chat room. He said straight up, Casa Fernandez or Fuente. <laughs> <laughs> and well, putting uh, a knife in there and twisting it. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Fuente of 2001, but I, I didn't want to make it personal for you. So You know what? I, I'm okay with that. I, I, I answered back, it's like your kids. You can't pick a favorite publicly. It's two different things. Oh, blah, 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 publicly. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't have to pick because they're both in the marketplace. Yeah, you can uh, you can just switch one after another. Yep, and I have done that many days. <laughs> Followed well, one with the other. Well, about this, this next one that's on the list here, the aging room, I have to admit that I'm not, um, I won't say overly experienced, but I'm not educated. Um, the Aging Room, Swag, uh, I think there's one other name too. Boutique um, Cigars, Swag, Aging boutique. Room. Uh, yeah, Boutique is what I was thinking of. Thank you. Have a number of different uh, variations on company, parent company, and lines and all. And I really can't talk <laughs> largely about their information yet. And not, it's not, wait, it's not secret stuff. I just have a large volume of stuff from them. And they actually gathered up a, a number of media folks and had a little presentation, and, and I took some good notes and got some good information that will come out. And they, they've put out a number of press releases over the past month or so, and I think I got most of those posted up. Um, this is another company that I think is poised to uh, do some great things. They, they seem to get a little better with each, each thing they put their hands on, uh, focused very much on small batch kind of cigars where you know, we have this much tobacco and the big guys can't do anything with that. They can't make you know 250,000 cigars out of that, but we can make something great with it and just you know make what you can make and sell it. And um, they really have put a, a push into the market, like I said in the notes, with getting their information out there and, and establishing a little more of a name. And I, I got to say, I've been impressed so far. The, you know, each new cigar that's come down the pike, I make it through some boutique shops in South Florida and and one here in Tampa, and and at least give them a try for everything coming out, and and uh, pretty impressive right at the moment. Well, <clears throat> one of the the two shops that I think are right up there being the best in the Chicago area. Um, has just a huge, huge loyal following with the aging room and swag product um, that are out there, and they they are screaming from the heavens that these guys have some of the best product to come to market in the last few years. So, I uh, 
I, I'm seeing their growth firsthand at local shops that I really, not just frequent, but that I really uh, respect. So I'm truly interested in a lot of this information because I'm just intrigued by the company, um, where they've come from and where they're going. So Yeah, and you remember we talked about one of their cigars recently, the uh, Fortissimo, which they declared may be the strongest cigar to come out of the Dominican. And it was um, 100% Yoshi... Yoshi Blanco tobacco, and we didn't know what Yoshi was. Well, mm. I met Yoshi. He he was at the show. He was <laughs> he was in the aging room. He is a, 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 a big time grower down there, and so he was growing much of the tobacco that they're using. So that is what Yoshi is. Well, that what Yoshi is is uh, kind of interesting, considering Yoshi is. Uh, a him, not a what. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, uh, I'll divert us slightly. Surprise, surprise. I took the wrapper off this cigar. It, it, mine is not thin. Mine is, you know, you can see it. I have rolled it, and it is pliable. Um, I, I mean, this is feels like leather. Yeah, uh, and that's why I scaled that back a little. When I looked at it a little more, I thought maybe that the what I was interpreting as thin was actually just a you know a remnant of the fact that it was pressed, and I, I agree it is a a dense pliable kind of leaf. What's interesting to me is that this doesn't it doesn't have you know how how um, I think this is broadleaf, but you know how broadleaf typically kind of has a little bit of that almost astringent quality. Um, not astringent, but it's just—it's almost cleansing. You know, it's—it's it's a balance to the the body of the cigar. The broadleaf just tends to kind of—I uh, don't know—I don't want to say lighten it up. There's there's a term there. You know, it's it's tobacco sorbet. I'll put it that way, maybe. <laughs> um, this doesn't have a flavor that I typically associate with broadleaf, but I I would swear it is by its characteristics. Yeah, I'll buy that. It still has a uh, pepine-ish, tatawai-ish uh, flavor quality to it, but but it doesn't seem to have the same um, spiciness blended into it that I normally associate with them. But the, if I can step back and take the uh, the felt perception of what I feel from the cigar out of it and just go by that, that almost... Uh, Sweetened, toasty kind of background flavor in there. It does remind me of some of Pepin's work. Well, at at first when I lit this up, I thought it was the Mexican experiment. Hmm. So, and I don't think that's what it is now because I don't think yeah. that it's Mexican Maduro. But um, nonetheless, I just I got some of those same Pepini flavors off of this too. Pepini. <laughs> I'm going to chalk that up to a new coin term, Pepini and Demi Lance. <clears throat> wow, that's interesting. What's that? I, I'm taking a puff of the wrapper and a puff of the cigar, and it doesn't taste like just smoking the cigar. Hmm. So what are you, what are you picking up there different? I... Oh, there's a flavor there. Hold on. Boy, this is good radio. Yeah, um, awesome. Great, great day there. 
uh, I don't know. There's something there, but I'm getting. <clears throat> I'm sure that I'm just increasing the volume of of wrapper uh, flavor to filler flavor when I do that. So that's that's why it's kind of coming across differently. It just it's it's unexpected at first. Um, I don't know. It, it'll come to me. I'll continue doing this a little bit, but it's interesting. It's good. Okay. Want to keep moving down our list here? Yeah, heck yeah. Okay. Well, we've got Drew Estate next on the list there. <clears throat> and like I mentioned, we were talking a little bit before we, we started broadcasting that, that man alive, the Drew Estate booth was just crazy on top of crazy as far as being busy. Uh, just about every minute of the show... Every time I would walk by that booth, and when I say booth, booth is not really a term. I mean, they they have a large block of booths, and it was just chocker block full of people. I mean, just the the I can't even imagine what the demand is on Drew Estate's products right now. And you know, I don't think it's all existing products. I think some of the things we've talked about in the last few weeks are a big part of that. You know, they have so many new things in the works. They have the Eight different pipe tobacco blends coming out. At least one of which is a traditional English blend, which is cool to me. Uh, Johnny Brook was kind enough to give me a, a little bit of that to try out, and so I'll be doing that this week as well. Um, it being imported out of Denmark, um, but, uh, but it is a traditional English blend. I mean, it, and just going by the, the the aroma, it is a prototypical English blend. It, you know, it, it's it's not anything. Fancy is not flavored. It's just straight up a, a good blend of. I'm I'm assuming there's some Latakia in there. It, it it is Latakia or one of the other Oriental uh, varietals. Um, just such pungent, woodsy, smoky kind of uh, aroma coming out of the bag. Mm. Um, but, you know they got those eight eight blends as an initial release. Uh, with their philosophy being a little different than when they started their cigar business however many years ago, rather than jumping into strictly aromatic offerings the way they did flavored cigars, they're taking a different approach with pipe tobacco and, and trying to put out some more traditional blends. And, and it did appear that many of those eight are aromatics, which is, quite honestly, if you just look at numbers, um, the the biggest selling pipe tobaccos in the world are all aromatics and that's just just by sheer volume just the number of people that get into pipe smoking and stick with them but it's not something that always appeals to me the same way that the Englishes do or, or some of the straight up Virginia blends um, so hopefully they can they can make that happen I think they can they, they have the horsepower behind the company and the, the funding and the, the talent and the knowledge base to really really make a difference in, in the entire pipe tobacco marketplace. And I, I think, you know, if they play their cards right, they can absolutely do that and get a big share of that market. Um, and, and pipe tobacco is in a, an, uh, not an odd place. It's in a good place. After 40 years or so of a constant steady decline, uh, the last two years pipe tobacco market has shown a little bit of growth. Uh, it's not, not much, but it's in a positive direction. You know, and for 40 years, from the late 60s, early 70s, up until two years ago, there was a decline every single year in the market. Just the number of pipe smokers that got out of it or died, and there weren't, you know, so many newer young folks picking it up. Um, but a, a company like Drew Estate that has such a young following already that can launch into pipe tobacco can 
can not just carve a niche for themselves in the market, but they can grow that market, and which would be cool for me. I, I think that's an awesome, awesome place to be in for them. I was and, just going to say the same thing, that <clears throat> Drew Estate isn't looking to gain a large share of that market. I'm putting words proverbially in their uh, mouth. Uh, they're not looking to, to gain a large share of that market. They're looking to seize that market as a totally untapped resource. Yeah. And then I mean, they, they, they should be able to do it. Yep, it's theirs for the taking. If if they really get behind this, uh, you know, this this segment of the business, it's it's there. Yeah, all they got to do is do it. Um, you know, but you know, and that's just a small part of what they have going on right now. They have that pipe tobacco, those those new lines coming out. They have the Kentucky Fire Cured, uh, the which is you know dabbling with the fire cured tobacco. We talked to we had Sam on a few weeks ago and talked about the the new Lucia Black. Which I subsequently reviewed and thought was an awesome smoke. Um, the Kentucky Fire Cured, which is a uh, uh, makes use of that fire cured leaf much more boldly uh, from at least from the aroma that's coming out of that Ziploc that I'm, <laughs> I got mine in. Um, much much heavier use of the leaf. So we'll see. Uh, I got an, an article that I'm starting to put together, and I just got the final pieces of that puzzle uh, while I was on the trip. I uh, stopped in South Carolina at uh, the brick-and-mortar storefront for SmokingPipes.com, which is called Low Country Pipes and Tobacco. And I got this, which is old, dark-fired. Uh, it's, it's a McBaron pipe tobacco blend that makes use of some of that. And I got a couple others here. From Galwith Hogarth, uh, Kentucky or Kendall, Kentucky, and Unscented Dark Flake. Both of those make use of the leaf. And then I got this one, which I told you before the show, looks very much like a large turd. Uh, it's a it's a rope tobacco. Uh, it's called uh, Galwith and Hogarth uh, Black Irish X. And those of you that, that aren't familiar with rope tobacco, this is spun. It's actually spun and twisted into these long ropes. And has uh, you know the outer leaf wrapped around it, and it's not not at all to be smoked like a cigar. You uh, <coughs> cut this into little discs or little chunks and and rub it out or crumble it up into a pipe. And my my gut feeling is I've never smoked this tobacco, but it has a reputation for um, just pounding you with nicotine. So I'm guessing this is gonna send me reeling when I try that. But I'm gonna make some comparisons with these pipe tobaccos. As well as uh, Sam Lassie is black, the the Drew Estate Kentucky Fire Cured. Uh, Michael Stewart uh, has made us a number of different variations on the using the fire cured leaf, and just uh, just do a, a little bit of an article that really compares those things and see how that leaf plays well with others and how it does in different proportions and and what it has to offer, which I think it, it'll be interesting for me if nobody else. Well. I've talked in the past, we've talked in the past, Dogwatch has talked in the past um, about doing highlights on specific tobacco types. Um, you know, be it some of the the uh, common ones, like Broadleaf that we're, you know, we talked a little bit about with uh, uh, this Unbanded Cigar or other very common, very well-known varietals, Corojo, um, the Habano, or Fire Cured. And so what I'm really interested in is that you're kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and 
kind of uh, setting the precedent for what I think could be a really fun um, episode or regular show that we have um, coming up here. You know, we have we have this kind of four-week revolving schedule, and uh, we have our cigars planned out through uh, the fruition of our first year. Um, well, this might be kind of a fun thing that we can uh, use this information on Fire Cured and set it up to maybe when we start year two, uh, kind of dive into some other tobacco types and do the same sort of analysis. I think that could be really, really fun and one of its kind. I don't know of anybody else who's done this before, and uh, I'd I love to kind of carve our niche by being guys who uh, not just love cigars but can kind of educate people on what they can learn or try to seek out when they're looking for specific things in cigars. That could be pretty cool. Yeah, and the uh, the variation that's available in pipe tobaccos is astounding. Yeah, I was at that, that shop up there in South Carolina this week, and there are oh, thousands of different pipe tobacco blends out there and available at any given time, and I'm not even including the bulk blends that show up in shops where they take uh, you know, a, a Pete Stokeby or a Lane Limited or Altatus or some of those bulk blending houses and mix a couple of them together and stick their their house brand name on it and sell it. I'm, I mean, honest to goodness, blends, tinned tobacco or bulk at times. You know, I got there, I walked into their shop, and this is a very much a pipe-centric shop. It, it began as a, a pipe and pipe tobacco website and has grown uh, astronomically. I mean, they they are huge in the pipe world, but they have, by my estimation, just sitting there on the couch counting jars, about 300 different blends out on the shelf that you can drag your pipe in there and fill it with whatever you want just to try it out. And they sell I don't know how many other hundreds of blends you know, online as well, but just sitting there looking at a wall of pipe tobacco of all these different kinds was. It was a good feeling outside of the fact that I managed to walk into that shop on this trip without a pipe, which was a little bothersome. <laughs> well, go get but, a corn cob, my man. <laughs> I actually contemplated that, but I settled for a Fuente and had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Never said I settled for a Fuente before. <laughs> now, now tell me, tell me, pipe uh, uh, etiquette here. Can you go into a shop, talk to the tobacconist a little bit and talk about how you're, you know, trying out pipe tobaccos and literally do as you say and run your bowl through uh, some of those jars and say, hey, I'm just going to try a bowl's worth and, you know, grab an eighth of an inch in the bottom of a bowl and smoke it? Or is that something where you need to, to go ahead and buy a half an ounce or something like that and, well, it, I and mean, try it that way? Good etiquette to buy something, but most shops absolutely encourage you to try Whatever they have out in their jars that are available, yeah, that's that's not an issue at all. And you know the thing is, especially with pipe tobaccos and pipe smoking in general, you can smoke the very best boutique brands of pipe tobacco for pennies on the dollar compared to cigars. Um, you know, a, a Greg P's blends, which he's my favorite blender uh, these days, and he makes some phenomenal pipe tobaccos, and. His his tobacco runs about ten bucks for two ounces. One ounce is twelve to fifteen bowls of tobacco. So you're looking at a box of cigars worth of smoking for ten dollars. You, know, you get twenty to twenty five hours of smoking easy uh, for a ten dollar investment. 
You know, and that's and that's not buying the cheap drugstore tobacco you can find down at the corner. That's buying premium tobacco that has the the care, the love, and the attention and the talent behind it to make something really good. And what more can you ask for? You know. Well, how how is it that pipe tobacco can be that inexpensive? Is it is it essentially cured, fermented, and then you're not getting that many other hands that go on it, or is the process significantly simpler? Um, it, some of both. There are not as many pairs of hands touch pipe tobacco from harvest to to you know. And we went through the Fuente operation, and over 200 sets of hands touch that leaf from the time it's primed until it goes into a cigar. And it's it's not that you you don't have uh, to pay the rollers for one thing, you, you know, you, you have to care for the leaf, you have to ferment it much the same. It's cured similarly, sometimes a little different. Uh, you use much more, uh, most processes in pipe tobacco are more akin to the fire curing, where uh, especially in the Middle East, those tobaccos, those oriental varieties, are cured over uh, smoldering fires, and the, depending on what they're burning that imparts certain flavors to the leaf. Um, but I think that's a big part of it. You don't have as to pay as many people touching that tobacco all throughout the process. You know, and the blender, it, it plays a serious role in pipe tobacco. The guy that takes components and can kind of mix and match from all these many different kinds of tobacco and get something that, that is pleasing to the, to the masses. The masses being a relative term when half a percent of our population picks up a pipe. Yeah, yeah, really. Hmm. That's that's pretty cool. I uh, I think if you if you talk to a lot of people about cigars, you can probably the lowest price that you can probably bring a hand rolled premium cigar to market is in that three dollar range. Um, and if you're if you're much less than that, and that's retail, if you're much less than that, um, you're doing something different. You're either just taking tobacco and not choosing it. You're not truly going through and and uh, uh, putting together um, your own first choice tobacco products that you're using, or you're you're using uh, you know sandwich type um, construction. You know, um, so to think about that, I mean that's seventy five dollars for twenty five cigars or twenty five smoking experiences, as compared to ten. Um, you know, twelve, ten, eleven, twelve percent. The uh, the cost is just wow. Yeah. that's crazy. One other thing that that plays a significant role there is aesthetics. You don't have to have a beautiful wrapper leaf to make a pipe tobacco blend. It's all about the flavor. You know, the tobacco is graded in the early stages and sorted much the same way. But if you get a little leaf with a tear in it. You can't make that a wrapper. Matter. You can't make a wrapper on a cigar, but that sure as heck can go into a pipe blend with no problem at all. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great point. Wrapper leaf being the most expensive leaf that's going into cigar production. Mm-hmm. Great, great point. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, actually. So wrapping up Drew Estate, you know, they got the pipe tobacco, they got the Kentucky Fire Cured. They've added some uh, extensions to some of their flavored offerings, and I have to admit I didn't really study that closely because uh, more power to the folks that like flavored cigars. Don't have any issue. I definitely think you should smoke what you like. It's just not something I have an extreme interest in. 
Um, and then they have the Nika Rustica, which we talked about, I think, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have one of those for you as well, and I'll get that up. I, I got you a care package that's going to head your way this week. Um, Perfect. And that, uh, you know, apparently is going to be a fairly bold cigar. So I don't know just a whole ton of more information than what we've already talked about with that one, but uh, it's going to come in uh, more uh, inexpensively priced at retail than the Liga. And it's going to be a full-blown, full-time, regular, all-the-time production. It's not going to be limited or hard to find or hard to get, So, which is uh, which is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, the next one here on the list is uh, very interesting to me, this more recent uh, partnership that's formed between Oliva and Padilla. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we talked about that also a few weeks ago. We won't... Uh, won't beat that dead horse too much, but I, I talked to the guys there, uh, a couple of them. One, my local Tampa rep, Alan Welvis. Um, I met him a couple times at one of the, my regular stops, and um, super nice guy. I talked to him a little at the show, and uh, Joe Voss, who is super nice guy. He actually sent us an email a while back. It was very complimentary and, and listens to the show, so... Hello, Joe. Glad you're listening. Um, he also specifically sent a bag of things for you to try. Um, but uh, the, their partnership with Padilla, from all appearances, seems to be working great. Uh, I mean, it, you know, Padilla basically shut down production on their four core lines last year and relaunched, and a couple of those are now made by Oliva, and all of them are distributed by Oliva, and they, they shared some booth space this year. And I have not yet smoked the new Padilla Vintage that's coming out, uh, but it sounds like a, a good, solid cigar. Uh, the thing I did smoke and really liked was Oliva's new uh, Milanio Maduro. And those of you that are listening that have a, a shop nearby that carries Oliva stuff, you can get out and try this because they're already hitting the shelves. I, I got an email from my local shop here, Tampa Humidor, today that they have them in-house, in-hand right now. Uh, so they've already made it. They've shipped and are on the store shelves as we speak. And I actually like this Maduro much more than the the uh, existing Melania, which I talked about two weeks ago that I had tried last year at the show and then had recently tried it again and wondered why I had not continued to smoke those over the past year because it was a great smoke. Uh, but this the Maduro is so good, so Sweet and caramely kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know the retail on those. I'm assuming it'll be somewhere similar to the Milanios, which is, you know, not inexpensive, but uh, to me worth the price. Uh, it, it was a, a fantastic cigar. Yeah, those. Uh, I've seen a lot of chatter about those uh, Milanio Maduros without even really seeking information out. Um, three, four uh, either publications or articles that have just kind of come across my news feed or been emailed to me. Um, kind of a, an interesting thing. I, I would not have expected that to be one of the cigars um, up there with, like, the, the KFC the, or the Nica Rustica that seemed to be getting a, an abundance of uh, press at this year's show. Yeah, the, the uh, that was really the, the big new offering from Oliva. Um, they were predominantly showcasing their existing lines, but I, I think it's a good one. I think it's a solid introduction. 
Well, next one here is an old buddy of the show. Uh, it's Skip Martin, and not just Skip Martin, but he is one of the halves of Roma Craft Tobacco. Mm-hmm. Michael Rosales being his uh, business partner. Well, and uh, you know, you, you've got it written in the notes, but quite frankly, if it wasn't, I would probably remind people of Roma Craft in the very similar manner as what you have here. He's doing it right, you know, um, ground up, building a factory, starting small, gaining a little bit of a following, and then maintaining uh, that quality by managing the tobacco on their own and uh, making products specifically um, based upon the, the the raw material that they can get so they can oversee that. And um, that, folks, is doing it right. So uh, I'm interested to hear um, about your thoughts on the show from them. Yeah, and, and I'll uh, put this in uh, the, the written uh, stuff I post up this week as well. But I talked to Skip for a little while, and they, they just like you said, they had the foresight and the available funds to really do things right and get into the cigar industry. You know, They were able to, to buy a large supply of tobacco, so they were assured of being able to produce their cigars for, for an extended amount of time and have been replenishing that as they go and as they grow. And they, you know, they had their own factory, which was a big deal. It was a small factory, but it's a big deal to have that much control over your product and just took over a new space. They're still renovating. It's a bigger space. And don't quote me on this, but I believe they're going to use that other space still, their original space, and they're doing some shop-specific cigars, some some cigars for various uh, brick-and-mortar shops around the country that, that are interested in that kind of thing. Um, but Skip, man, he, I, he's a great guy, and... He said he's headed back down Nicaragua in a couple of weeks, but um, I asked him, and he agreed to come on the show, talk to us a little bit, and uh, actually sent a couple of cigars again for you so we could all be smoking the same thing when he's on. Awesome. Need to get him lined up, hopefully, before he heads back down to Nicaragua because he does spend a lot of time down there. Um, Well, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to uh, smoke his stuff again with him uh, around and, Talk a little bit about it, uh, like we do with all of our hot new cigars that uh, that we feature on the show. So that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, and and you know, I absolutely, I am just an old um, softy when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I'm so impressed with the way he takes care of the folks that are rolling his cigars and working down there in Nicaragua for him. And uh, I can't say enough good things about him. And just a, a great heart, a great mind. <laughs> Good talent, good assembly of materials, people, the the, the whole spiel. Just a, I, I'm expecting great things from Roma Craft, and see no reason why why I will not see them. Yeah. Well, this uh, this next one is a soft hits a soft spot in my heart, and I will just let you take it away. Yeah, Jay Fuego, Jesus Fuego. Stopped by and saw him a little bit. And I I had never met him before. This was the first time I'd ever had a chance to talk to him. And, and he said, um, well, can I get you a fresh cigar? And I said, does a one-legged duck swim in a circle? <laughs> <laughs> he um, got me one of his uh, newer ones, and I think it was the one that didn't strike your fancy. But um, I lit that up, and it, and it was the new Connoisseur, and it was a 5 by 60 And he said, what do you normally smoke? And I said, well, usually I'm a Corona Robusto kind of guy. He said, well... This is a 5 by 60 probably outside your normal preferences. And I, he, I, being Jesus himself, 
am not a big green gauge guy most of the time either. But I got to tell you, this one has really grown on me. I think you know, try it and let me see uh, and let, let me know what you think about it. I I really like that cigar. I sat there at his booth for probably 30 minutes, just kind of enjoying the cigar. It was a five by 60, and I was like, I cannot believe I'm really digging this this cigar. It's it's normally an uncomfortable thing for me, but I got past the size and the the flavor was great. It, it was uh, you know, very calm and sedate. You know, there was no harshness. It was just one of those things in the past we've called comfort smokes. It was just an enjoyable cigar, and, and it, it was great. Actually. Well, I will I will uh, correct you just slightly in that the connoisseur is not the one that I have uh, uh, not enjoyed. That's the Family Reserve. Ah, okay. Um, so the connoisseur is, I believe, the new release at, at this year's show for him. Um, the Family Reserve 2012 came out at last year's show, I believe, and was released shortly thereafter. Gotcha. Um, the the connoisseur, I'm very very interested in trying, um, and I uh, I'm I, I don't know. I mean, is it? Uh, do you have any hints on flavor profile at all? Is it more savory, more sweet? Is it very um, kind of uh, citrusy? What are the thoughts? It, it had uh, a good bit of sweetness to it, and, and it actually it has a San Andreas binder, and I think that hmm. contribu- contributed quite a bit to that. You know, that San Andreas Maduro binder in there. Um, uh, I want to say the filler was Nicaraguan. Um, mm, Maybe even a little Honduran, if I'm remembering right, but my memory truly sucks. Uh, but I do remember the wrapper was Ecuadorian Sumatran, and uh, so it was an interesting concoction that that just seemed to work for me. And I might, might, might have one more of those that I could head your way. Well, aren't you just a swell fella? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be very interested in that one. I uh, I love Jesus, great guy. Um, and I enjoy the vast majority of his cigars, so hopefully this connoisseur falls in line with that as well. Yeah, he was a good guy, and I absolutely walked into his booth cold, never met the guy, never knew anything about it, and just kind of standing around taking a few pictures, and he comes over and introduces himself. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Let me tell you who I am. I'm the peon in this this introduction. <laughs> and, uh, but super nice guy, man. He just hung out. Had the cigar while we were sitting there talking a little bit. Did you really say, does a one-legged duck swim in a circle? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> he will remember you forever. you got a great, great memory, and I guarantee that line will make you stand out in his head. Yeah, I say a lot of stuff. Ah, funny. So, man, I feel like I've been talking a lot. I love it. And I guarantee we're going to get mail this week where people say, can Kip go to IPCPR every week so he talks this much? Man, if I could swing that, I'd do that every day. Well, uh, getting into some of the smaller market, uh, smaller brands in the market, excuse me, um, this first one here is not someone that I'm at all familiar with. You want to introduce us? Me neither. I randomly stopped by their booth, and I actually don't think I stopped there. I think I was walking by, and a guy, guy grabbed my arm and said, Hey, you ever heard of this? No. <laughs> Exactus. And I talked to a couple of guys there. I have their cards. I don't recall their names. Um, but uh, I, my understanding is they're 
they've been around for a while, but they make uh, some inexpensive lines for some of the bigger e-tailers and retailers out there. And um, they're kind of uh, branching out a little bit, maybe making a little more premium cigar than, than they have historically. They have gotten uh, gotten some land, gotten some farms going. They're growing some of their own tobacco. Um, and he actually showed me some. The, it's funny. The one guy showed them to me. The other guy gave me one. So uh, you know which one I like. Um, but it had a uh, a varietal of tobacco they've developed and have granted exclusive rights to that, I believe, to um, – uh, I don't remember now if it was General or Autodis, one of the big the big guys – um, but this this will be showing up on a, a few cigars, and he just had a number. There's no name for this thing yet. It's just called T13, and uh, that's what the wrapper is on this cigar. And I'm really interested to smoke that. I haven't lit it up yet, uh, but it's there. Uh, they seem to be banking a lot of hope on that leaf, and and getting their name out there a little more, making something that's maybe a little higher on the ladder in terms of. You know, how um, how how it's perceived in the market, and rather than making more of the you know less expensive house lines, maybe making some more more of a, a premium market penetration with their cigars. So mm. uh, outside of that, I I had not ever heard of the company, didn't know them at, at all. Uh, outside of this, how um how large are they? I mean. And are they just growers, or are they also manufacturers as well? Uh, growers and manufacturers. They, hmm. they, more recently, growers. I believe, this is how I interpreted what he was telling me that they had kind of gotten the farms up and going now, and are growing a lot of their own tobacco. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I'll be uh, be on the lookout. I'm always a tobacco nerd at heart, so I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, uh, more information on that T13. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it smokes and if and when I see it in the actually in the marketplace. It's a Dominican company, I believe, as well. Yeah, next on our list here, the House of Emilio, and I just put a line in there. What a difference twelve months and a distribution agreement with Emilio makes. Uh, I, you know, the all of the Emilio House of Emilio booths were were there together. You know, they uh, if I can go. Try to go from memory, and again, my memory is terrible. But you know, the Ezra Zion guys, uh, Guayacan, uh, Rodrigo, Nomad, uh, Epicurean, 1502, which is Global Premium Cigars, I think is the parent company name. Cigar Federation booth, they, they were all there together, and had a good bit of traffic. Some some great new cigars. You know, we smoked the, the Eminence from Ezra Zion last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a great cigar. The Guayacan, I uh, talked to Noel Roja, uh, the, the Guayacan guy, guy, and I believe he's going to be in Chattanooga. Actually, I believe most of the House of Emilia will be in Chattanooga at the tweet up here next week, Oh, which reminds me, i got to make <laughs> another 1,500 miles of driving next week. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he being Noel and Guayacan, Really liked uh, his his cigars and what he did last year. He had four or five different Vitolas. Each one was a different blend, a very different blend. And he was new to the market. Uh, I think he basically just started marching up the East Coast, hitting cigar shops and introducing himself and his cigars to people. And 
really, really generated some chatter early on. And what he did was take those those four or five Vitolas and pass them out to people asking for feedback. And based on that feedback, he selected the blend. And I believe it was what was in the uh, torpedo he had last year is the final blend he went with. And that is now the blend he's using for his, his standard production lines. And he is about to launch a Maduro. Um, he told me I'm not not giving these out at the show, the Maduros, because they're 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 not ready. I just wanted to have something to show. They need a little bit more time. So he said, take this back and hang on to it for a couple of weeks before you you smoke it. So I have one to to try, but I'm going to do what he said and and give it a couple of weeks. Um, so if it's nearly as good as the other one, I'm already impressed. Very good cigars. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, and I, that happens a lot at IPCPR. Guys just have to roll cigars in right off the truck, literally. Um, and so you get product that just isn't in pristine condition. It sits out in the open of a dry convention hall for three, four days, four, five days. Um, and it's not always the best, uh, experience to have it then, so. I think it's the right move. Wait a wait a few weeks and and see what that cigar has to give legitimately. Yeah, and man, it it is an absolutely just astoundingly beautiful wrapper leaf on there. Just dark, yeah. dark, beautiful Maduro leaf. Um, he's also building a factory as we speak. He's got uh, got the walls going up. He, he's posting pictures on Facebook of the progress. Uh, so he's uh, the 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 growth and the change in Guayacan in the past twelve months is unbelievable. I'm mean, just incredible, and I think that that speaks a lot to the quality of the cigars, for one thing. Mm. You, know, you can have a flash in the pan, but to make it 12 months and still be on a positive swing is 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 a feat that doesn't happen a lot. Oh, sure, you're absolutely right. I mean, to the point of what we were talking about earlier, those guys who who have seemingly a great recipe for success, and then all of a sudden they just drop off the face of the earth. Yeah, um, that's uh, it's nice to see when that doesn't happen. Yeah, um, but uh, you know we talk a lot about Ezra Zion because we know those guys are great guys, just incredible cigars. But uh, you know I would stick it out there, make the same statement for, and I've said it before uh, that Gary Griffith has a knack for picking up distribution with companies that make cigars I tend to enjoy and. Actually announced a new distribution agreement uh, during the show. Um, oh, I'm having trouble remembering the the name. Uh, I'll get it in just a second. I pull the <laughs> I cigar know. me up here. Um, Bodega cigars. Bodega. And there's a guy on Twitter just known as Cigar G, who is the the brains behind that outfit. And so I'm anxious to see what those are like. He he was at the show. I didn't meet him, but he wasn't. Uh, an exhibitor. He he was there as an attender, and uh, so see what those are about. Haven't had a chance to smoke them yet. Well, I'm going to uh, find him on Twitter right now. I'd love to get additional information about that. Yeah. Uh, I think we got just a couple more on here that we can hit quickly. Um, the Lahuada, Lahugada, and Arandosa. Both of those were made by Eric Espinosa over at Lazona. That, man, that's a lot of vowels for me to say. <laughs> um, and, you know, I kind of put these two together because they are both made by Eric Espinosa. 
uh, who was formerly with uh, partnered up with Eddie Ortega uh, when they were EO brands. But uh, you know, I've been impressed with Eric's cigars as well as the cigars he's ventured out with uh, for some other folks, and these these two lines in particular uh, are are very good and very worthwhile seeking out. The uh, La Jugada is uh, I met Nelson uh, that the company for that line is Samoya Ruiz, and I met met Nelson Ruiz down at Charm Leaf last fall. And got to try them down there, and they've since you know, had a little bit of growth. So I'm excited to see where they go. I think they'll do well, um, as I do for the other lines that are coming out of Arizona. I think Eric's uh, another one that another one to watch that is poised for some good growth. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, Cordoba and Morales. Um, not sure where they are. I believe they're based here in Florida, maybe even in the Tampa area. And I happened onto their cigars a couple months ago in a shop. They had a actually when I went over to meet Bob one day, uh, had a, had their line in a shop over there. Uh, the 19th hole Maduro is the one I had, and and it was such a good cigar. It was it was very earthy, uh, bold but not overpowering. And it and I can say it left me wanting more, but not that I felt like something was missing from that cigar. But when I put it down, I was ready for another of that cigar. And uh, that doesn't happen to me very often. And uh, they uh, gave me one of their natural line uh, while I was there at the show. And I'd stopped by to introduce myself because I'd corresponded with them online a little bit. And um, another great smoke. Uh, You know, I don't know how well they're positioned to really get their marketing in place and, and get into the market uh, as well as some. Uh, I hope they do well. I hope they're able to, to get that lined up. And, and I don't think they're in a bad position. I just don't know that they are they have yet grown to a, you know, a size that they're uh, able today to go out and just make a major push and, and get into some store shelves. But, you know, they, they are now at least in two shops that I frequent, the one over there and uh, Melbourne and uh, not Melbourne, Palm Bay, and uh, and one of my shops here in Tampa are both carrying their line now. Mm. I'm trying to jump around here. Uh, no, no, no problem at all. Florida I'm... Gonzalez. I have been a fan of Florida Gonzalez for a few years, uh, but they they haven't seemed to have crossed that line into being a. Uh, name that's nationally recognizable, despite the fact that they've gotten quite a few really high ratings in some of the print media, as well as some of the, the blogs around. They, they consistently score highly, and they make a very wide range of cigars, everything from very inexpensive bundled cigars to, um, you know, none of their cigars I, I don't think I would put into ultra premium as far as pricing, but, you know, in the sweet spot, 8 $9 a stick uh, on their higher end. And they have a cigar that I truly enjoy called 90 Miles. Uh, you know, takes that name from Key West being 90 miles from Cuba. And I really, really liked the the normal standard production of that line. And then last year they launched what they called the 1980 edition, which was 90 miles tweaked just a smidge, just to tone it down a little bit, kind of knock off some of the rough edges. Uh, in 1980, referring back to the uh, uh, Oh, the boat lift. What is it? What is the the Mariana Mar- Mar- The boat lift. When the, 
the big migration of uh, Cuban refugees that came into the U.S. all at night in 1980 in uh, mass, and uh, Yadi Gonzalez was one of those folks that, that made it into the country. Just a, a fantastic, wonderful, personable family, making some great cigars. I would love to see them cross that line and 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 explode into a national presence um, for for those reasons, not just because they're a great family, but because these are great cigars that, that deserve some recognition. You you say here just a matter of right place, right time. You think, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's a really interesting perspective. You know why? I uh, I wonder why guys like this haven't really caught on yet. Yeah, I don't, you know, I think some of it is maybe having the the horsepower or the funding behind it to just get into shops more widely. Um, and I don't know, you know, what what's behind it, but I I do know that I see a lot of companies like this that that make a quality product at a great price that that somehow don't get to that next level. And mm. you know, I, I don't know why, I, but I think. Flory Gonzalez is very deserving. I think they're there. They, it's just like I said, right place, right time. It's got to happen. I um, there's a gentleman that uh, I'm friends with on Facebook named Scott Smith or Smith, I believe, um, if I recall correctly. And he posted a question on his feed about hey, what's more important, a, a good tasting cigar or a good marketing plan for a cigar. Um, and I kind of scoffed at that, like, well. <clears throat> Why? Why would a good marketing cigar or good marketing plan be as important as a good cigar? Um, but you know what? Maybe this is this is an example of that. If you've got that great cigar, but you just can't do anything with it because you don't market it properly, um, you know that this could be the perfect example of why that marketing does need to take place in today's uh, cigar industry. I I wonder. Yeah, and and it may and uh, honestly, I don't know that it's simply marketing it properly. I think there's there is still some bit of luck in there. It just has to to happen to shake out. Mm. Well, there's uh, the next. There's a, a few additional on here, and I'd say you could probably classify them in a similar manner. Uh, the next one you have is Jameson, and you know people who have been fans of uh, Dog Watch in the past. I mean. They'll know of the Jameson Black, um, and I know that you have mentioned the Santos de Miami, um, uh, both the products from Jameson. And so it's interesting that that another company here who has good product consistently, they've put out with more than one cigar that's uh, been received well. Um, it also hasn't necessarily gone to that next level. Yeah, and and this may just be a factor of time. And, and Jameson is another line of cigars that Luis Sanchez makes, the La Tradición Cubana, mm-hmm. T.L. Johnson. And actually, T.L. Johnson and, and Luis are teaming up. they they um, forming up some distribution-type things that they have in the work that I think will probably pan out nicely for them. Uh, they seem to be really getting some ducks in a row. And with, you know, I think I speak for you to say that the the T.L. Johnson we had a couple weeks ago is a fantastic cigar if we can just get out there into the marketplace when we had Terry oh, on. Unbelievably good, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and um, I have a, a legend, 
Uh, you got the T.L. Johnson Legend, the 63, his new cigar. I got one of those for you, too. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to that. But, you know, I'm a, I'm admittedly a big fan of Lewis, and I love most of what he makes. And those that I don't love are enjoyable cigars just don't necessarily fall into what I'm looking for as far as flavor goes. Through. You know, mm-hmm. Never, ever have an issue with construction in any of his cigars. And uh, the this Santos to Miami, which is one of those extreme box press cigars that he does, like the Tempio, and he has managed to make that cigar in a Lancero, which just astounds me that you can <laughs> make a Lancero that squarely, sharply pressed and still have something you can draw through. is amazing. I saw some, uh, I, I believe I saw photos of that that uh, Lancero, and it, I mean, it doesn't even look like a Lancero. It's so... I don't know. It, it it catches your eye. There's no doubt about it. Kind of interesting. It's almost like those uh, crispy breadsticks. Those yeah. Breadsticks. Yeah, it's a good point. Huh. Well, this next one here is uh, is a company that I found. I discovered that. Well, obviously, uh, they were at IPCPR, so I can't necessarily say that I discovered them. But um, the last year in New Orleans, so three years ago. Um, I, what would be four shows ago, excuse me, I thought that they had the best, the best cigar um, available at the show, uh, and that brand is Capadura. Um, I think I have not really found much information about this, but I think that the brand sold, and that now the more recent... Um, uh, iteration of this brand. I don't know if it has the same blends, but I'm fairly certain that the the figureheads for the the brand itself are not the same people that they were a few years back. Um, the Capadura that I was familiar with, it had a cigar called the the Extra Lajero, I believe, X T R A Lajero, um, and that was just epically beautiful. Just a, a spectacular Maduro cigar that may have had extra Lajero, but it wasn't overly strong. Uh, was not overly filled with nicotine. It was just bursting with flavor, bursting with flavor. Um, and so I, uh, I, I'm very interesting to hear, interested to hear uh, if you had any opinions specifically about them, or uh, uh, if this is just a, a brand that you thought was worth noting because it kind of fit into the little guys grouping. Yeah, it was worth noting. Uh, I actually was just walking down the aisle and I heard somebody call my name and kind of looked around because it's kind of odd to hear somebody call your name in a big crowd. And it, it was a guy I had known from the past. His name's Israel, and he used to work at Smoke Inn, which is a, a large chain of tobacconists in South Florida. And um, he's now working for Capadura. And I believe it's a couple of ladies that are the the uh, controlling interests for that company now. Don't quote me on that, but I think so. And um, so, yeah, I got a couple to try. have not lit those up yet, uh, but they have a significant following in the Tampa area and, and have a regular presence at events, and the, the product moves well off the shelves, at least from all appearances. I see, see a lot of people coming in and buying their cigars. Hmm. Well, I'll be interested to hear your opinion on that. That uh, that was one of those cigars that just all of a sudden wasn't anywhere that you expected it to be, you know. 
being that it was such a good product, I thought that it would kind of explode, but never seemed to go anywhere, uh, at least in the short term. So maybe we can see some growth here uh, in the next uh, year or two. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, at, at the very least, they're they're growing well locally, regionally here in Florida. And I expect, you know, if the cigars are as good as they seem to be based on other folks' input, uh, that that should continue and, and mm. go maybe on a, onto a bigger scale. Well, as we round out some of the cigars that we're focusing on from the show, the last year appears to uh, uh, be one that I don't think I have any experience with. Yeah, the uh, Oja de Flores, and I don't either. Um, it was kind of funny that I got a press release in my email couple weeks ago now Jim I'm trying to July the 8th and I posted it up and I actually was walking by their booth and say hey I, I know that name just from the press release and I stopped by and and I was looking at their table and there was a printout of the cigar me on their table <laughs> <I> was, hey <laughs> and um, I talked to the guys a little bit and it, it's a it's a company and I think it was Tom Ufer and I were corresponding talking that you know this this car by this name back in the 90s and I was like yeah you know what that does seem kind of familiar and apparently they've been around since 1962 but uh, the company was moved off and a retailer took it over and and they they actually rolled their own cigars out of a, a shop they ran originally and I don't recall where that was at um, and anyway the company was handed off and didn't do a whole lot with it, but they've now taken this name, this this uh, trademark or whatever, back over, and are kind of reformulating or relaunching the company with with new cigars. And I really can't talk a whole lot about it, but I, I put in the notes. There's just something something in, intangible tells me there's some promise there. There's maybe a little uh, gumption behind the brand, so uh, it's it's one that I want to watch for sure. And uh, Certainly give them a try. See what the cigars are all about. Hmm. Well, we uh, seem to be coming to a bit of a close on uh, some of the big items to mention from this year's IPCPR, but um, you want to uh, maybe jump back into the regular notes and talk a little bit about a few of the emails that we got? We seem to be approaching our uh, our mandated uh, end time here, so I think it would be kind of nice to talk about these and then maybe wrap up this unbanded. Yeah, and uh, jumping back over to those notes, we actually have covered much of them already. Uh, one thing I did want to throw out there, the, the one cigar I did manage to like but didn't get a whole lot of time with uh, was not all altogether a terrible thing because of the, the format of the cigar was Eddie Ortega's minis, those little cigars we talked about, and you know, we questioned a little bit about the uh, how that was going to work out, the little format and the fact that they're packaged similarly to cigar cigarettes in the little cardboard boxes and all, and that and that packaging is entirely unrelated to the cigar. The, the cigar is, uh, I didn't actually ask Eddie, but from all appearances, I lit one of them. Seems to be a all long filler cigar, just a very small one, a demi lance, if you will. And the, I lit up the Maduro, and it was a fantastic cigar. I didn't get much time with it, but it's you know it's a 20-minute cigar to start with. Um, I, I have seen a number of these this year. This seems to be a bit of a trend of folks putting out smaller cigars that are just for this situation. People that 
don't want to grab a cheap drugstore cigar because they only have a few minutes. They want a good cigar, but they don't want to waste a you know eight or nine dollar cigar because they only have you know a, a little while to do it. And um, but I got no complaint at all. I, I would definitely keep these around for for this kind of occasion when maybe I did want a cigar, but I don't have an hour and a half, two hours to do it. Hmm. It's interesting. I. Uh... I smoke a lot of, um, I think the Vitola is Ligito number three, roughly four and an eighth by 28, somewhere around that range. Um, I get a decent amount of time out of those. I can probably smoke one of those for approaching half an hour at least. Um, so I'm definitely a fan of, of smaller cigars. I think you can just have a great experience that doesn't last forever, you know? Um, so that's, uh, that's a, pretty cool thing, especially because, you know, we, we've we had a lot of experience with Eddie Ortega's products and certainly know them to be, uh, well, top-notch through and through, really, so um, it'll be intriguing to see how those, uh, I guess, show themselves in the marketplace. I hope that they're received well. Yep, same here. Well, I'll uh, breeze through a few that I smoked uh, this past week. Um one of which is more of a public service announcement. Um, I have been visiting the Cohiba Maduros, um, specifically in this case the Secretos or Secretos. Um, I've kind of visited them every few months for the last five years or so. Uh, I was always pretty underwhelmed. Um, but, man, i got to tell you, they this, this first time, the beginning of July, um, I broke into these again, and they are on. It is time. It has been six years. That's what these Maduros needed. Uh, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for saying that, you know, a cigar, you shouldn't have to wait six years. A cigar, a cigar should be ready to smoke when you want it, not on the cigar's time. But, man, these were worthwhile. This was everything that's gorgeous about a Maduro cigar. Uh, married perfectly to everything that's gorgeous about Cuban tobacco. So, mm, mm, was this was this an experience? The first one I had, I was driving, and it was one of those that if I didn't have anybody else in the car, I probably would have pulled over and smoked the cigar alone. It was that good. <laughs> uh, well, uh, next one for me, I had a regional release specifically for Great Britain. This was a Por Laranaga, Um and it, it, it kind of... I don't want to say it was a disappointing cigar, but I really hate it when you, you light a smoke and the first 20 minutes are just breathtaking, and then the cigar just continues to transition and it becomes something that was less than the perfection it once was. Um, and I have to say that this was that. that this Por Laranaga was, it was a, a good cigar overall. Um, it went from being just spectacular with kind of a yeasty, sweet bread flavor that I just dig. I don't get it very often, but when I get it, oh, man, I, I just eat it up. Um, uh, and then it kind of transitioned into some more of the the nice, solid tobacco flavors with a little bit of earthiness to it. Um, but the start on this cigar was just epically gorgeous. Loved it. And closing it out, kind of to uh, bookend the J Fuego discussion, um, that not only did we have earlier in this episode, but previous uh, in previous episodes, talking about how uh, Jesus has kind of 
dialed back the uh, available Vitolas a little bit, and one of those that he has discontinued, the Sangro de Toro Bellicoso. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> I just say here that I held a vigil for this cigar's demise. I love it. I miss it. Uh, that cigar has been canned, I believe, and I'm very sad to see it go. Just a, a really terrific um, spice flavor there with a little bit of that breadiness. Um, man, I I just I dig it. Really, really dig it. Kind of a, not a dusty cocoa, but a dusty, spicy, dusty, sweet, spicy flavor um, that I get a, a lot in these, uh, uh, the Bellicoso specifically, but the whole Sangro de Toro line, so... This was a darn good cigar, and uh, it was the last of my bunch, so I have no more. But it was a good way to send it out. Yep, I think you're right. That one's gone, and all the Coronas. Yeah, yeah. Ooh-hoo. Oh. Well, I got nothing to contribute from smoking this week, because like I said, after, after leaving the show, I've basically been smokeless for this whole week outside of... A few minutes of that Eddie Ortega and the uh, the Fuente Magnum that I grabbed while I was at Smoking Pipes shop. But, uh, well, no problem there at all. We've got uh, plenty more that we can get into. The uh, listener email, as for one, um, you want to uh, head up the one first year, Dan Clegg? Yeah, yeah, we've got an email from from Dan. Uh, I'm just going to read it real quickly because it's fairly short. It says, Gents, you reminded me of two things in your recent show. One, three weeks ago I had a seminal cigar fly fishing moment. I landed a gorgeous 17-inch landlocked salmon in Maine while simultaneously hitting the flavor peak of an Illusion CG4. And two, I too have an antique bamboo fly rod that I've not landed a fish on yet. I've had great luck at this particular spot in Maine, so I'll bring it next trip. But what would be an appropriate cigar pairing with such a classic? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I I can't necessarily say that uh, I would have thought a specific rod would uh, would demand a smoking experience. But um, what I would say is one of the things that I like with with uh, fly fishing and smoking is just a a nice smooth cigar. It doesn't have to be mild, but something without very sharp edges to it. Um, that when you want it. You can focus on the cigar, and the cigar will provide you the perfect accompaniment. Um, and then when you want the cigar to play second fiddle, it does that that very appropriately. Because you know, I, I've I've dropped cigars out of my mouth when I've been landing <laughs> when I've been landing fish before. So you uh, you you want a cigar that can just kind of sit back and not get in your way. Um, and I I love you know. Uh, Oh, what would be a, a great kind of smooth cigar for that? Um, well, I, I guess if you're going to go that direction, uh, you might as well go the full gamut and go with one of the, the Davidoff white labels. Um, those are some great, great cigars, although uh, a bit aromatic. There's a gorgeous aroma that goes along to them and a bit expensive for that type of a setting, but uh, something along those lines, a little bit more suave, a little less uh, in your face would probably be what I would choose. I'll buy that. <laughs> Thanks for coming with me on that one. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good to me. Well, and 
No, sorry. Go ahead. I don't know what I would recommend outside of maybe I, I tend to enjoy VSGs when I'm fishing. I don't know why it just out shakes out, you know, being the Fuente hole around these parts. And uh, that Ashton VSG, not the E, the VSG. Really, really dig those. That sun grown. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of going to... in an opposite direction of me, though. That's uh, that's not so suave of a cigar. That that lets you know it's there. Exactly. That's when the fishing sucks. The cigar can't be good anyway. <laughs> well, I guess I guess you can't go wrong there, Dan. So, uh, chocolate and vanilla. And our other email was an update from Enzo, who we've uh, had an ongoing discussion with about some uh, raspiness and, and troubles he's had with different cigars over the past couple of months. And uh, he starts out with some very complimentary things to say. Thank you very much, Enzo. We won't uh, bore everybody else with sounding like we're tooting our own horn, but but he's he's a nice guy saying some really cool stuff for us. And that, thanks again. Um, but uh, he goes on to say, I think you guys are right on the money with this tannin idea. And the, a couple of weeks ago, we said that maybe the, you know, the tannins could have come out of the whatever kind of roots they were aging in their the barrels with, and that what he was describing was could have been a, you know, a implications from tannins that tend to to impact your your palate and be, um, you know, a, 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 can even stray into a little bit of bitterness and and. He says he believes those roots are adding a ton of tannin to the tobacco and that, that this idea reminded him of his dislike for full-bodied red wine, which is something Craig mentioned. Uh, he says the heavy red wines like Cabernets and Bordeaux feel like chalk in his mouth and do dry him out, and he always has preferred a white wine or light reds like a Pinot Noir or Syrah, and that's an instinct away from tannin, and he has a sharp sensitivity to it. So he thinks that that could be you know, maybe the source of the problem. And um, he says he has skimmed all those uh, cigars, that brand he had mentioned, the Cuban stocks, out of his humidor. Uh, He did enjoy them, but it seems to be localized to that brand of of cigar. So uh, he says uh, next month he's going to Honolulu. I go to one of the islands every year. Last time I was there, I noticed someone is growing tobacco there and started his own cigar company. I think it's on Kauai. I haven't tried it, but I heard it's pretty mild. I'll try to get hold of a few while I'm there and give you guys a report. Hmm. Well, I would love that. I think that would be pretty cool to hear about how uh, American tobacco from Hawaii is uh, uh, is shining or showing itself. Yeah, and i got two things. One is a chat room. I'll mention that in just a second. But the other, we didn't even talk about it. But I snagged you one of the Grand Habano... um, American Puros. Ah, yes. I am really psyched to try that. That that's you know, some folks may think that's kind of gimmicky, but I think it's cool. It's something different for sure to try. Oh, I don't think it's gimmicky at all. I mean, we we talked a little bit about how, you know, you're you're you look back over the last uh, three years or so, and American tobacco isn't exactly the uh, the redheaded stepchild that it once was. I mean. Think of think of the products coming out of Connecticut, and then more recently the products coming out of Kentucky. Um, I mean, this isn't just uh, Pennsylvania or Connecticut broadleaf; it's also potentially uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and then the Kentucky fire cured. I mean, America might might have a little bit of a reemergence as uh, not just a, a a location where cigars are made, but where tobacco is grown. You never know. Yep, and uh, I am becoming 
more and more every day a fan of Pennsylvania broadleaf tobacco. Mm. And I, I noticed that. Uh, I don't know that I would call it a trend at the show, but a number of times it, it caught my ear when somebody would say they use Pennsylvania leaf in a you know specific cigar. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's certainly got more of a presence. Whether that connects with the the American smokers or and it's something that becomes a trend or or more in demand was yet to be seen, but it's worthwhile, I think. You never know. The other thing is we are now the butt of what has just been called the longest-running podcast joke with whether what it what the implications are for Toronto distributing this in seal cigars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh... It, can I? Can we even? Can we claim out of our hands if we've taken this into multiple different forms of media to try to get a response? You know, I meant to get over there at the show, and I did not make it to talk to Mark. So oh, I, perfect. I we will blame you then. <laughs> it's off of my shoulders. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it, guys. Someday. That, that <laughs> man, that may signal the end of the show. When we get that answer, it's all over. So. <laughs> Well, one would have thought that it might not have been too difficult to just walk over and ask the guy when you were in the same room as him. But, you know. <laughs> well, you, I mean, the, the arrangement of booths at the show was a little odd this year for me. Uh, there were a few that uh, were almost hidden because of the way they put up some walls and barriers between the different booths. You know, I don't know that anybody was complaining. I noticed you know, we got to the end of the show, and you know, Christy was with me, and she said, you know, we never talked to Wes uh, Gensel, uh, Monty Pascal. I oh. said, you, you're right. We saw him the first night at the uh, gala, and I know they had a booth, but I walked every aisle of that place, I thought, and never saw his booth. And so I dug out the map, and, of course, it was too late at that time, but he there was a large island, and because of the way they had constructed some, some barriers, it was all but hidden. I, I never went to, into that little section. So, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. But I, I can catch up with Wes. I'll I'll figure something out there. <laughs> well, as we uh, come to a close of uh, probably what will be our our primary IPCPR focused uh, podcast, we we have uh, an unbanded to have a grand unveiling for, I believe. Yeah, you got any final comments or notes? Well, mine. Uh, I must have been breathing heavy tonight because mine seemed to uh, burn relatively quickly um, and I'll, I'll take the blame for this because I also noticed that it ended up getting hotter a little sooner than I would have normally expected um, I think some of my uh, little experiments with the, removing the wrapper leaf and then trying to smoke both at the same time may have uh, yielded less than desirable results but um, I I definitely think that it was a broadleaf wrapper, probably a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, um, not uh, not the Pennsylvania as we've discussed. Um, it definitely reminded me of that Mexican experiment at first, so that Tetuaje, um blend with the Mexican wrapper. And I know that that's not what it was, but it just reminded me of something there. Um, I don't know. I haven't had enough of the... Um, well, I haven't had enough Mexican tobacco to to really know what else it can at times line up with, but there was 
there's a memory there or, or a recollection there that I just keep going back to with this cigar, but I don't know I don't know how to cross those paths, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I agree with the Connecticut after getting into it a little more. I did not get what I normally get with Mexican Andres wrapper. And a lot of times I get some of that dry cocoa, you know, that dusty cocoa kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, get any of that. I, it did, it was <clears throat> pepinish, pepini when it started with a little bit of spice. The spice faded, but the flavor families or flavor quality stayed much in line with what I'm normally associate with pepin or tatuaje, although it wasn't that bold, uh, smack-you-in-the-face kind of Nicaraguan thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm, I'm going to... Hmm. Well, open us up. Uh, these are the Tatuaje HCS Maduro Robusto Larga. Pete makes these as an exclusive for Holt Cigar Store, hence the HCS. It has a Nicaraguan filler and binder and a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Price is $7.95 per stick. It's rolled in Pepin's factory. It's five and a quarter by 50. And they also come with an Ecuadorian wrapper. Well, I got to say, that's about as darn close as we're going to get. That is as close as I, closer than I ever would have expected, actually. I, uh... Thank you very much, Jeff. That was a great cigar and a a great amazing. Yes, it's uh, it's even sweeter when we don't make complete and utter fools of ourselves. Yeah, at least we didn't talk about this cigar at the time we were <laughs> smoking it. Uh, that will live in infamy. <laughs> that cigar's coming up in not too terribly long. We'll have to uh, we'll have to maybe uh, recall our. Our atrocity of an unbanded experience when we have that uh, Cabo Guan Maduro in a few uh, weeks here. So yeah, and, and uh, there, more than a few weeks, but there was a secondary band. He included the bands here. I don't know if you can see that, but there's the the Gold Holtz band and the secondary Tatuaje band. Interesting. Well, not uh, not too shabby. I, I, you know, it was pretty obvious at first light up that it was a tat. Um, it just it just screamed something there, uh, and then that Maduro, that well that that broadleaf, um, yeah that broadleaf is a broadleaf from Pete. I mean it just kind of lines up, you know. Yep. So, not too shabby. Well mm-hmm. done, my man. Outstanding. Thank you very much again, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Jeff Fisher, <laughs> Jeff Fisher coach of the Jeff Denver Broncos. <laughs> Uh, so when are we uh when are we doing another show? I don't know. I uh I am not available Friday. I will be uh downtown seeing a flamenco uh dance recital party show thing. Are you uh, working a bouncer again? No, no. This uh this is actually because I have a soft spot in my heart for flamenco, the art of flamenco. So I will be just attending this uh, this little recital thing. So it's with uh, uh, I don't know. There's a, a large what are they called? Um, crew club? I don't know. Dance something. They're, they're called something. Uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly uh, up to snuff on my flamenco knowledge. Oh man! If you ever want to have your mind blown, go find a. There's a Hungarian flamenco guitarist. His name is Otmar 
Liebert or Liebert. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. Oh, just unbelievable guitar. Unbelievable guitar music. Uh, and it's all flamenco. So, highly recommend it. And so, uh, I will, I will be attending a little bit of a, uh, a, a dance recital thingamajigger, we'll call it, as a technical term. So, uh, I will have to schedule a time, maybe Saturday or something. Cool. I should be around. And then the following week, I will be in Chattanooga. That is correct. So, uh, Andex just asked if we're going to be live from Chattanooga. We might just do that. Oh, that would be very nice. We got to get a live show this year or this week, <laughs> this month. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, well, that'll be into August, though, won't it? Yeah, that'll be August. Oh, that will be August. Yeah. But um, I believe Burns has uh, Wi-Fi up and going there, so we should be in good shape to try that. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, so that should be a good one. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, we might even have uh, uh, a live broadcast or two, or excuse me, a live interview or two coming up in the next uh, few weeks. We might be able to try to snag Skip Martin before he gets out of town. Yeah, and he did. He volunteered that. I got his phone number. I'll give him a ring and uh, see if we can set that up before awesome. he heads out. And in speaking of Chattanooga, I, I, like I said earlier, I think most of the House of Emilio is going to be there. We might could snag a couple of those guys, and maybe Ezra Zion or or Nomad or somebody pull them in there as well. Might not be a bad idea. And maybe we can even go for uh, uh, Gary. Jeez, I was going to call him Guayacan. Um, no Bodega. Oh yeah. I don't know if he'll be there or not. He's he, he's out of Canada. I don't know if he's traveling that far for Chattanooga. Uh-oh. Yeah, hey there. Well, as always, uh, I want to tell everybody to check us out. Uh, if you want to email Kip, uh, feel free to send him any notes to kip at thecigarme.com, or if you want to send me a note, craig at thecigarme.com. Uh, be sure to send all hate mail to me. Kip, uh, Kip can't handle it. He weeps like a child. So send it over uh, my direction. I'm more than happy to read it and just bury it somewhere. But you will be entered into uh, whatever drawings we have as giveaways if and when we have another one coming up. So, ah, And I need to say, um, I, I have had packages on my desk at work for almost a week now. So your cigars will be coming out, the two winners, Steve and Michael. Uh, from the July or the June contest giveaway that we uh, awarded uh, just before the Fourth of July, so those will be going out to you. Hey, I just uh, saw in the chat room, Andex and Chubno are going to be in Chattanooga. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I have to drag those guys out, put them on the spot with an unbanded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. We should just bring an unbanded box and just make everybody else humiliate themselves. <laughs> Yeah, and when they're done, we don't know what they are either. We just wonder what you thought about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or or tell everybody who smokes it it's a different cigar. <laughs> Completely the opposite of what they said. No, that 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 was a Macanudo Hyde Park. Jeez, wow, you have really bad taste. No, that was a Rocky Patel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm terrible. Sorry. All right, well, let's wrap this joker up. That sounds like a plan. Well, as, uh, as always, uh, we want to make sure everybody heads up to CigarFederation.com. Um, our lovely hosts, uh, the the owners and uh, overseers of the Ezra Zion cigar brand, and obviously 
part of the House of Emilio family. We uh, want to just make sure you head up to SigFed and check it out, join in, interact a little bit, and just be part of the uh, the family up there. And, and Kip's lovely site, thecigarme.com, head up there, check out uh, the reviews, the IPCPR updates, all that jazz, and uh, not to mention information about... Uh, uh, that fire cured experiment that he's going to be getting into uh, in the near future. So definitely be up there and uh, uh, check that out. That's going to be that's going to be good not just for his site but for the industry. That's going to have a feeling rock uh, rock the cigar industry a bit. So it'll be a big one. Yeah, Andex um, said we could put him on the show and ask him a question about a Cincy and Toronto. Smack him around when you see him, would you? <laughs> Bruce, I'm going to nail you. Oh, yay, yay. All right. Well, it looks like this is wrapping up the next one. You got a dedication or anything to sign off with tonight? Well, yeah, this one I'm going to send out to my boy Josh. He, uh, I believe, has just purchased a home this evening. So not necessarily a dedication, but just more of a shout-out. Just want to say, hey, congratulations, my man. I know you've been waiting for this for an awful long time. And, uh... Considering you don't listen to the show, you son of a... I guess you'll never hear this, but nonetheless, I know it's there, and I mean it sincerely. So, uh, my man, brother, congratulations. And uh, to everybody out there in Cigar World, I want to say thanks for listening, thanks for tolerating us. And uh, Kip, anything to send us out with, or uh, any final words? No, just come back next week. Uh, some bat time and some bat place, don't know anywhere. <laughs> Well put. Well, we'll uh, we'll get all that out there in the uh, on the interwebs, either on uh, Twitter or Facebook and all that. You can find out, and I'm sure it'll be on the Cigar Me too. So, uh, good night, everybody. Thanks for listening, and have yourself a fantastic week. And I hope your Wednesday is fantastic as well. <laughs>